We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always locking in if you're watching this on the video please make sure that you subscribe like comment all that fun stuff helps us continue to grow this channel and of course on the audio side uh make sure you follow us rate review all that other stuff as well today is wednesday august 23rd i am joined by my good buddy anthony marino from buffalo rumblings what's going on buddy how you doing good man how are you good uh missed you last week Listen, I, I don't I don't like it when we take a week off. It feels like there's too much stuff going on. You you don't get a chance to even recap the first preseason game that took place. It it just feels weird when you you miss a week at this point. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, so we're taping this and I always gotta tell people ahead of time because most people, I mean, if you're watching the video, this will probably be up sometime Tuesday night, but on the audio side, this drops overnight into Wednesday morning. So I always got to say that if anything goes down on a Tuesday later in the day, we're taping this Tuesday morning, so we won't be uh, discussing that today. That said, and we got a lot of Bill stuff to get into today. Yeah. Um, we'll do our finish the sentence segment, something, a fun thing we do every time I have you on. I'm still, it's Tuesday morning. It was a goddamn preseason game, Anthony, and I'm still not in a great mood. It's uh. It's interesting because I I am the type of like, listen, I'm not going to overreact to anything from a preseason game. That is always like, I kind of, you know, try to keep that spirit. I mean, of course, if some devastating injury takes place or something like that is completely different. And I know we'll talk about the game, like individual performances. I try not to read too much into the penalties. That part annoyed me. But I was I was like you. I was at a uh, you mean 12 in the first half. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, I was at a party with with some friends on Saturday, a get together, right? Party's too strong of a, a term. And but like there's a couple Bills fans there, right? For those of you that know, I live in the Albany area. So it's not like everyone around you is a Bills fan, but a sure. couple there. And I'm even saying to my wife, I'm like, you know, I either want to be I want to be home for kickoff with this. Well, you know, then you're there, you're having a good time. It, it would not have been right to like leave at that point and be like, hey, I'm going home to watch a preseason game. But we put the TV on 
and you're just kind of, you know, then people start watching the game and you're just like, all right, I know I don't care about how things go in preseason games, but I'd at least like it to be not where there's a yellow flag on the field, like every play that it felt like and just any progress that they were kind of making. Like, hey, if you're going to play your starters, you know, at least at least put together one good looking drive or one stop. Sure. So, I, I guess I'm not annoyed like you are, but even as I start talking about it, I'm getting annoyed. So maybe uh, maybe it'll come out today. <laughs> well, I want to spend some time today. Like I, I did a show yesterday and I had a lot of observations. I kind of want to hit on a few that maybe I kind of gloss over a little bit that I wanted to save to have a, have a conversation with you. Kind of things that I, maybe a little bit under the radar because we spend so much time talking about the glaring obvious things right now with the Buffalo Bills, right tackle middle linebacker and i mean we might hit on that a little bit today but there's a couple other things uh that i wanted to get into as well a couple of news items well sort of news items i don't know if i want to call stephen a smith a news item but he did well let's put it this way he uh he put out on first take he had some comments about stefan diggs and it was enough that it made stefan diggs take the twitter himself on monday and, and have a denial um. Anyway, Stephen A. started out talking about the Jets, and then I just, I guess he couldn't help himself and, and started talking about the Bills and, and Stephon Diggs. If you're watching this on video, I'm going to play the clip. If you're listening on the audio, you'll hear it, obviously. This is yesterday, ESPN first take, which I never watch, by the way, anymore. Stephen A. Smith started out talking about the Jets and then ends up uh, making it into about Stephon Diggs and the Buffalo Bills. So let me play that clip, then I'm going to get your reaction. And then I got a couple thoughts afterwards as well. Here's that clip. I can't ignore, because to me, elevating it just like that is letting the Buffalo Bills off the hook. Last time I checked, we looked at Josh Allen, and we said, yo, man, what's going on? You in AFC Championship game a few years ago. You and Patrick Mahomes was going at it. You were supposed to be the heir apparent and stuff like that. Stuff ain't worked out. You lose. Joe Burrow comes up there, goes to the Super Bowl next a couple of years ago, last year at the AFC Championship game. And instead of thinking about Josh Allen, we're thinking about Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow going up against one another, okay? So you got Stephon Diggs, this brother all-world receiver, but clearly wasn't happy, walked out, didn't want to talk to nobody. They came into training camp. They had some friction. They had to get settled and all of this other stuff. Brother wants out, by the way. I'm just telling you what I know. I got my own sources. Brother wants out. He don't want to be in Buffalo anymore. He don't want to be. I- I'm telling you right now. I have my sources. Stephon Diggs got Got to be there, but he would prefer to be gone because he's lost a level of belief in the Buffalo. But that's right. I said it's Stephen A, baby. I'm not. I'm telling you what I know. OK, you they, they can don't deny. They can tell you what I have my sources. I'm telling you what I know. All right. But he's not going to force his way out. He know he got to be there and they got to perform. But he ain't feeling the Buffalo Bills the way that he once did because he feels there's a window of opportunity that they may have missed out on. Josh Allen's got to show them that's not true. I can't. All right. Well, that was Stephen A. Smith yesterday on uh, ESPN First Take. Yeah, Stefan Diggs took to Twitter and had a strong denial on this. But anyway, your your thoughts uh, on hearing that? Well, the denial wasn't a surprise, right? And it's like, gosh, when I, I look at the clip from Stephen A. Smith, and it's like anything, you know, what we call news these days. And this is like whether you're talking politics, sports, anything, it is all opinion-based and kind of this sort of setup these days, right? And it's honestly why I don't watch any of this stuff anymore. Because right. it's not it's not 
based in fact. It's it's not news related anymore. And I will say this: I like Stephen A. Smith. I think as a as an entertainer, right? Like, I mean, when he is on the set for NBA games, and he does his Stephen A. Smith personality comes out. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun, right? I mean, you you look at it. I do not take it anything that he says seriously. And that's not a knock. Like it's it's kind of an entertaining piece. But you know, anytime you do one of these shows, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get people like us to take these clips, share them on our Twitter, get people sharing them again, kind of build this whole mentality with it, right? Whether you like it or don't like it or agree with it or don't agree with it. It reminds me of the movie. Um, I'm sure you saw it back in the day. Uh, what was it called? Private Parts, the Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. Right. And remember, there was this one scene and it was saying like, well, how long does the average Howard Stern fan listen to the show? And they're like four hours. And why does he listen? Because he wants to see what he's going (laughs) to say next. How long does the average Howard Stern hater watch the show? Four hours. Why do they want to listen? Listen, because they want to hear what he's going to say next. Like, it's just kind of this piece of just like it's all designed to get people to share things that will become a hot button topic. Because guess what? If you come out and say Patrick Mahomes is great and so is Joe Burrow and sure, so is Josh Allen and it's going to be fun to watch the AFC this year. No one's clipping that. No one's talking about that on your show. No one's sharing that on Twitter and social media. And no one's taught. It, it's not getting a reaction. Right. So nobody puts that out there because everything is designed to get a reaction these days. And it drives me crazy because it's just like, if you look through it, you know, that's all that it is. That's sure. all that it's there for. And, you know, honestly, now it's nice that there's a platform like Twitter. I mean, we can talk about Stefan Diggs's cryptic tweets and all things that he's done in the past, but for him to just shut it down immediately, it's like, thank you. We don't have to wait for a press conference. We don't have to wait for anyone to get a one-on-one interview just shut it down because there's no point to it at this point. You know, you bring up a great point and it reminds me of an ongoing conversation I've had with John Fina about social media and the, like the love and the hate with Twitter, for an example, and I'll just use Twitter as one social media outlet where we talk about sometimes how Twitter can be such an awful place, but it also serves a great purpose for the players. It gives them a platform to say, like saying back in the day, if Stephen A. Smith goes on TV and says this, it's going to be hard for Stefan to immediately get on somewhere and just and deny it and, and say what he wants to say. But social yeah. media kind of gives him the platform. So that part is cool. I got to tell you this, though, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, Anthony, and you brought up a lot of good points. I agree about the, what, why Stephen A. does that, okay? Yeah. And I know some of this might come off as unpopular amongst Bills fans, but I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say what I think. I think there might be a little bit of, uh, at least some shred of truth to what Stephen A has said. It's not surprising. We saw how things played out last year. We saw how pissed off Stefan Diggs. We saw him not come to camp. Saw some cryptic social media, Instagram messages and stuff like that. I mean, he came here. He, he did what he's got to do. He's here. He, he, he want, I think he wants to be here this year. I, 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 so that's why I don't buy this. I do think like he's excited about this season. I've watched him five times at practice in camp. And I love what I saw from him, his energy, just the way he looked. Um, I think he's very, I think he's all in for the Buffalo Bills right now. All right. So that's where I think like Stephen A is wrong. But I think there might be some truth that he wanted out at some point. And I will say, and I don't think this is being, uh, you know, I'm not 
throwing any kind of crazy bowl prediction out here. But if this season ends the way the last two did, this might be a big problem next offseason. And then there might be some truth to that. Let me tell you another thing, too, that matters. I think I think Stefan Diggs knows that whether he wants to be here or not, and I'm not saying he don't want to be here, so don't, yeah. you know, I don't want anyone to take it that way. But I think he knows that he has to be here anyway. That contract is insane. And you know what? Let me let me pull up something for you real quick here. This is Stefan Diggs' current contract, okay? Trading him this year was not even an option. It would have been $44 million in dead cap space, okay? Even next year, you look at, and this I have spot rack up on the video side, cutting him or trading him before June 1st of next year too, even if they wanted to, is just not a realistic option. If they were to trade him post, like with a post June 1st designation, they would eat up still about $30 million in cap space. However, they could save almost $19 million in cap space next year if they were to trade him after June 1st. If they did it before June 1st, they wouldn't save anything and they would eat $31 million. I personally don't think he's going anywhere, period. I think this is going to be, I think everything's going to be fine. I truly do believe that. I guess, I don't know. I, I'm agreeing with what you say about Stephen, or Stephen Smith and just the way today's media is with so much is just based on reaction. But I also think that there might be at least some crumbles of truth there. And just, by the way, and just because Stefan Diggs goes on Twitter and denies it doesn't mean that, that Smith is wrong. I just want to put that out there. Sometimes a player can deny something. That doesn't mean that the, the person who is putting something out there is automatically wrong. Making it a denying, it doesn't mean that this person's wrong. That's all I'm saying. But how many of these stories does Stephen A. Smith break? Oh, a ton. A ton. A, what? Give me one NFL story that he has broken. Oh, that, that he's is, broken? Yeah. Oh. Like, that he's, oh, no, nothing, 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 nothing. Right. You know, so I, I look at this and it's like, now listen, of course, I'm like the, the ever optimist, Bill's colored glasses. I get it. I'm biased. Sure. All these these types of pieces. But it's just like, Listen, everyone has a day. Think of maybe a job that you've had in the past where you're just like, oh, man, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm out of here. I got to go. Like, this isn't working. And it's like something that happens in the moment, right? Maybe mm -hmm. your emotions get the best of you a little bit. You're talking to your spouse. You're talking to a friend. You put out a feeler, something along those lines. Like, And then things settle in, right? Because you realize like, hey, things are okay here. And you just sort of take a step back. So like, yeah, sure. Maybe did Diggs say something months ago? Like maybe was he unhappy? Maybe. Yeah, sure. Like people say stuff all the time, but it's one thing to say something and it's another thing to mean it. And I think with that, it just comes down to a bit of in this scenario, if you are Stefan Diggs and you say your goal is to be the best wide receiver you can and to win a Super Bowl, what better situation is he going to than the one that he's in right now? And what quarterback is he going to play with that's better than the one he's playing with? There, there is not one, right? You can say, oh, well, there's less, you know, go to the NFC. Like, no. Like, you're going to go play with Dak Prescott over Josh Allen? I'm sorry, that does not increase your chances of winning a Super Bowl. Right. There, you're going to go to, what, you're going to go to Cincinnati because you say Joe Burrow is better? Like, well, what, you're going to be the number two wide receiver there? No, that's not something that you're going to do. You're going to be one of the highest paid wide receivers. You're going to get 170 targets a game with a quarterback that is looking to you every opportunity that he can. Look at your statistics in the three seasons that you've been in the Bills, right? You've been from being a really good wide receiver to an all-world wide receiver. 
saw Stefan Diggs highlighted in a Gatorade commercial while I was watching TV the other day, right? He's doing his modeling stuff with Tommy Hilfiger all over the world. No one's going to tell, no tell me any of this like, oh, you can't be a star if you are based in Buffalo. That's nonsense, right? And you can look to the Green Bay Packers for years and everything. It's the smallest media market in the NFL. So any of this stuff, I do not, I do not buy it because there is no better situation that he can be in than with the Buffalo Bills right now to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That's about as fired up as you're going to get Anthony Marino on this <laughs> podcast right now. I love it, man. I'll say this, and you're right. I, he wants to win. That's what it comes down to, man. He wants to win. He's pissed off about last year. I will say, I do think there's a little bit of, if if the, if Stephen A said one thing that maybe I put some stock into is I th- I think he might have a problem with the structure, the coaching right now. We'll see what happens though. Winning solves it all. If they don't win this year though, I I do think that this potentially could be a problem. But to your original point, we just spent a good eight nine minutes of this podcast when there's so many bills, actual news things going on right now, things to talk about. We're talking about st- what Stephen A. Smith. Set on first take. So you're 100% right when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, now I'm mad at myself. Anyway, there is some <laughs> actual news going on with the Bills that matter. A couple injuries, with, which, you know, obviously that sucks. Tommy Doyle, major knee injury. Shane Ray, a hamstring injury suffered Saturday in Pittsburgh. They are both were put on IR. Um, that That's shitty. I'll tell you, in Shane Ray's case, I thought... He had a good camp. I thought he played pretty well against the Colts. And I also noticed that he was playing special teams. And I thought this guy might have had a real chance to overtake Shaq Lawson for those reasons, the special teams reason mattering too, that possibly he could take uh, Shaq Lawson's roster spot at the end. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. So the Bills did make a couple signings um, in their place. They signed running back Ty Johnson, uh, formerly the New York Jets, and an offensive tackle, Garrett McGinn, who's been with the Bills two training camps um obviously got cut both times and he spent some time in the usfl and as the xfl uh as well i don't know dude and by the way actually as we're taping this like i said so we're taping this tuesday at 9 a.m the bills also signed a linebacker uh i was tweeting about him i looked him up yesterday because there was some buzz going around deshaun white uh former linebacker from oklahoma um undrafted this coming out of school this year played in the um usfl for the michigan panthers so he's uh for the moment, anyway, he's on the Bills roster. If people are wondering who most people aren't going to know about him, he's six foot and he's like 218 pounds. So if you think Terrell Bernard is small, and I do, this dude, Terrell Bernard is like Tremaine Emmons compared to this guy. I mean, it, this is another small linebacker. I don't want to talk too much about him because I really don't know anything about him. But anyway, the Bills added another linebacker, which is kind of a little bit weird this late in the preseason. Uh, Ty Johnson, the running back, you know, some people might know him from the Jets. That could be one of those. They play the Jets opening week, you know, kind of that's not that uncommon in the NFL. Get some information. The only other thing I could think of if it's not that or they just want some insurance on the practice squad, some veteran insurance on the practice squad. Maybe this injury to Damian Harris is a little bit more than we thought. And, uh, you know, that could be the case. I don't know. But these just seem like. Well, I, I don't, I'm Gary McKinn, he's a tackle. I get it. Tommy Doyle's gone, but uh, 
I don't know. These aren't needle moving signings, but they are news. They're moves at least. Yeah, they're they're news. And it's like, you know, and I think when you you look at the reactions on social media after the game on Saturday, you know, and, and I'll even admit I was on spot track looking and saying, okay, what free agent linebackers are out there? Like, is there some vet that just hasn't signed? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the hey, I don't need to rush to get into camp, like I'm 30 years old and I've been down that road before. Let me take my time and see where where there's an injury or something that takes place. But these signings, to me, at least demonstrates that obviously the Buffalo Bills front office do not share the same concerns as the fan base, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in essence, you are adding guys to the roster that have no chance at making the team, in, in my opinion, right? When you, when you go through with things, these are bodies to fill positions to get you through the third preseason game on Saturday. Yeah. That's it. Maybe to give a look, you know, if somebody gets cut and maybe it's like, yeah, let's keep an eye on him. If we want to bring him back for the practice squad or something happens later in the season. But with that, it just was, um, you know, nothing that's, that's moving the needle. And you talk about the guys, you know, you, you feel bad for, for Tommy Doyle because for him, to just play injured last season to finish that Dolphins game. You'd like to see some sort of a, you know, just that kind of earn that spot back, right? So for him, that's a little bit heartbreaking. Shane Ray, I mean, probably best case scenario was going to be practice squad, uh, although, uh, you know, hey, someone that is has that potential, I guess you could say at age 30. What I'm trying to say is you you, you end up losing three guys that were, are not – you're not even sure we're going to make the roster. Right. And you replace them with three guys that you're pretty certain have zero chance at making the roster. It's just the timing. I mean, not that yeah. I mean, guys get injured. It's just signing guys a week before Ty Johnson might get 25 carries in this last preseason game. But I don't think you're going to see any of James Cook and you're probably not going to see much of Latavius Murray either. And again, I don't know what the situation is with Damian Harris. He hasn't played yet in the preseason. He suffered a knee injury uh, yeah. in spring training. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe he has the kind of he's the type of player that Naheem Hines was anyway, that sort of skill set um, type of player. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I was looking up to Sean White, by the way. He he didn't even start in the USFL. <laughs> he's played seven games with Michigan in a year or four games and he had seven tackles uh, for them. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out um, during the week. Anyway, one more uh, news item. Then I want to get into some Bill's observations. Jonathan Taylor, it was report on Monday. He's got him permission to seek a trade. Um, I think it's going to be a hard trade for anybody to make because he wants to get paid big. Um, you know, the, the reports are that the Colts want a first round pick or something equivalent to what would be a first round pick uh, for him. I don't know. My only thought was just don't go to Miami. That's it. Don't go to Miami or don't go to Cincinnati. You know, besides that, whatever, send him to the NFC or send him to Denver or some, I don't know, send him basically anywhere. Well, it's not Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore, or Miami. You know what I mean? But um, I saw, yeah, I, I'm referencing first take here, Anthony, for the second time in freaking, what, 20 minutes? A show that I never watch anymore. But uh, it was on this morning. Not first take. Get Up was actually this morning. I, I, I screen grabbed it. Every time there's a running back out there, he's always linked to the Buffalo Bills. Sal Pal from ESPN, there was a thing. Which team should go all in for Jonathan Taylor? And Sal Pal said the Buffalo Bills. I, look, never say never. And I love Jonathan Taylor, by the way. But And you got James Cook, who's going in the year two. You got three years of a cost-controlled running back that it seems like they like a lot. 
I don't see Jonathan Taylor going to the Bills. And why are the Bills continuing to be linked to literally every running back ever, a big name guy who's who's either a trade candidate or going to be a free agent? It was Kamara last year. It was McCaffrey at one point. Uh, Saquon Barkley, if he didn't, you know, if the Giants couldn't sign him, he was going to be a Buffalo Bill. Now, Jonathan Taylor it just never stops. No, it it doesn't stop, and it is um, now again. There's probably some credence to it because Sal Palantonio is again. He is not one of those guys that you put into a bucket with like a Stephen A. Smith. And I'm not. Trust me, I'm not saying that Sal Palantonio is saying that the Bills are in on Jonathan Taylor. That's right. Like, but he's not a sensationalist reporter. That is sure. not what he he looks to to do. He's more factually based. And I think when that stuff comes around, I mean, listen, it has been known that the Bills have made calls on Christian McCaffrey in the past, have made calls on Alvin Kamara in the past. So it's just like, okay, yeah, is Brandon Bean that general manager that makes a call on everybody? Maybe he is. I don't know. I, I know I'm in the minority when it comes to to running backs and what you love they can them. be and, and what they can do. And honestly, I, I hope James Cook becomes one of a, a top ten running back in the NFL. Nothing would make me happier than you know for the Bills to have someone that has that that type of ability. But it is certainly a fun what if if you talk about you know arguably one of the top four running backs in football and adding him sure. to an offense like the Buffalo Bills. Right, you go from James Cook of a, hey, we hope he can be the guy to a Jonathan Taylor who you know is the guy. Sure. I just, just it, it, by the way, NBC Sports book, like I looked at their their betting odds. Yeah. They're actually the Bills, not or the Colts are the favorite. For him to go nowhere is the favorite. But if he goes to another team, the Bills are the second highest betting odds right now. Um, Miami's first, too, by the way. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I guess if you looked at the Bills roster right now and you looked at their salary cap situation and you looked at this team next year and all the guys that are going to be free agents and Deion Dawkins counting $15 million against the cap next year and Josh counting $47 million against the cap next year and Vaughn Miller counting $24 million against the cap next year, that's where it just becomes unrealistic for me to go add a Jonathan Taylor who I'm obviously he, he wants out of Indy because he wants to get paid and the Colts don't want to pay him. I just don't see it, but it would be fun. God, it would be fun. And that's what it is, right? I mean, it's like, you know, we all play fantasy football. You talk about this stuff. So it becomes fun to think about it. Yes, if you look at the salary cap stuff, you realize pretty quickly it's not really an option if you're talking in the world of reality where, you know, you're thinking, as I keep saying, right, like, gosh, I'd, I'd love to see the Bills extend Gabriel Davis. If there's something they're doing to free up money to pay someone, that should be the move they should be making, not something tied to Jonathan Taylor. But if they make a move and they acquire him, that'll be a fun day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino and his dope-ass Montreal Expos uh, hoodie, by the way. I like that, man. That shit is sweet. All right, so I got a couple observations that I wanted to get your opinion about regarding last week's game and maybe just, you know, the the team up to this point. Some of the things that I think maybe, I don't want to say they're completely under the radar, but they're not talked about as much as, like I said, uh, the middle linebacker position and the right tackle position. And I kind of want to start with, well, the other side of the offensive tackle position. Look, Spencer Brown looked really bad against Pittsburgh. I kind of went on one of my my rants, but you know, not just with the Bills, with any sports team, there's always those one or two whipping boys where like everything, you got to always go to the same person first and always start there. And he always gets most of the blame. And I kind of feel like that's sort of becoming Spencer Brown. Like, it's just easy and almost sometimes lazy to just say, well, Spencer Brown sucks. And that's the end of it. When you're talking about the offensive line, I'll tell you, I look and again, I overreact. You you underreact to the preseason. I overreact. So let's see if we can meet a little bit here uh, in the middle. I didn't like the way Deion Dawkins looked. I'm not concerned because of how he looked against Pittsburgh Steelers in, his, in the second preseason game on a Saturday night in Pittsburgh. But I, I don't want to say the guy's overrated, but I, I think he's better than average, but he's not like this great offensive tackle. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm a little concerned and how he's looked for me at times this preseason and also last year. Um, I feel like he low-key, he's 29 years old. I feel like low-key, he might have a little something to prove uh, this coming season. He's $15 million is going to be his cap hit next year. And again, the Bills are going to have a lot of financial decisions to make next year. So I know he's made a Pro Bowl before. I know he's a very popular player. You know, one of the faces of the franchise, one of the guys who's always out in front of the camera. I like Deion Dawkins, and I don't think he's a bad left tackle, but um, I, I think he needs to play better than he did last year, and I certainly didn't like what I saw Saturday in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and you, you want to see the improvement, right? I mean, that is, you know, you say the guy's 29 years old. It's like he can still have a prolific career in front sure. of him, but it's always it's always a turning point, too. And, you know, and, and we don't know what it's like to play in the NFL. I mean, sometimes you you think back – to when he was younger and after he struggled in his second season, you know, you'd see Deion Dawkins like doing all these boxing workouts and different things, working on his agility and all these different videos on social media of the work that he was putting in to get better. Now, sometimes as players get older, they don't do that as much anymore. One, maybe because it's a little bit of wear and tear, right? When I'm 23 years old, I can do that as I'm pushing 30. Listen, I've kind of taken some hits. So maybe that's not the piece but you start to question a little bit with a lot of players like is it something that you know are they coming in to camp in shape where they should be or maybe not to that extent and we can look at things now and say listen we still have over two weeks before that first game like you talk about not overreacting but sure I would have loved to have seen Tian Dawkins look better on on Saturday. I mean, that was not a great performance. He's saying the right things after the game. And, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be telling this season. And 
it is interesting though, Pat, right? Because when we talk about offensive tackle and the Bills, you know, acquire someone like Brandon Shell, they sign to a really low contract, David Questenberry to a really low contract. And it's like, hey, these are two guys that started uh 65 of the last 70 games over the last five seasons. And then they come in and you're like, man, these guys, they're really not that great. Like offensive tackle is a position where it just feels like one, there's a, a relative shortage of talent when it comes to it. But even when you talk about the $15 million cap hit, it's almost like got our offensive tackles in a way when you think about quarterbacks, right? Like, yeah, sure. You got Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, these guys that deserve these mega contracts. And then you've got, you know, David Carr getting $39 million a year. And this one getting, you know, like where it's just, man, you're not, you're not a great quarterback in this position, but this is what you have to pay to get one of these guys. I feel like that's kind of the going rate when it comes to offensive tackle and a little bit of you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. I, you know, I got to say, Osiris Torrance, I thought looked the best of anybody on the offensive line, which is a good and a bad thing. It's a bad thing because that means four guys didn't look better than a rookie, at least in my view anyway. It's a good thing because I think, by the way, I think Osiris Torrance is pretty much locked down that starting right guard job. I think he's going to be your week one starter. Um, Tackle, I'm not concerned too much about Deion Dawkins, but he's at least on my radar right now um, at this point. And I think that's warranted. Like, I don't think it's something I'm not sitting here trying to talk you out of it or saying, Pat, you're you're overreacting. Like, listen, I think when you talk about his play last season being being okay, right? Like you'd like him to be more than just okay. Yeah. And I look, I'm concerned about the depth with Brandon Shell retiring. I think David Quisenberry, I'm sorry, I think he stinks. I a good guy. I'm not, you know, I don't only take personal shots at somebody. It's not him. If if they don't decide that Ryan Vandemark, which is really risky having a, a swing tackle, be a 2022 undrafted free agent, I would be surprised if Ryan Bates doesn't start getting some work this week at offensive tackle. I, I think we we will start to hear some of that at practice. Or they got to look elsewhere because it's not David Quisenberry. If something happens to Dawkins or Spencer Brown, they are in a world of trouble if David Quisenberry is out there playing regular season snaps um, at left tackle. Another guy in the offensive line, too, continuing with these kind of like under-the-radar observations. And I want to point out that not everyone agrees with me. In fact, I watched two of your colleagues, um, Joe Miller and, and John Fina on the John Fina show on Monday night on Rumblings. Um, I don't. I haven't been that impressed with Connor McGovern. I just haven't. I, and I'm not an offensive line guy, and I don't really know all what to look for. I know that, generally speaking, when it comes to guards, if you're not saying their name and you're not paying attention to them during the games, that usually means that they're playing pretty well. But I just haven't been that impressed with him at camp, and I haven't been that impressed with him in the preseason. I thought he struggled against the Steelers. Meanwhile, John, somebody who I obviously knows a hell of a lot more about the offensive line than I ever will, said that he played pretty well. I like David Edwards, by the way. Um, now, to be fair to, to Connor McGovern, he's out there playing against the ones, yeah. whereas you know David Edwards is playing against the twos and the threes later in the game. Um, I guess it's good to feel good about David Edwards' is quality interior depth, which is yet another reason why I think Ryan Bates can start to get some work at tackle. And he has played yeah. some tackle, by the way. I mean, he'll be the backup center, obviously, as well. But uh, I like David Edwards. Not really so. The, and by the way, the book on Connor McGovern coming here was he was really good at pass protection and not so good in run blocking. And I kind of feel like that's what I've seen from him 
during his limited reps here uh, with Buffalo so far. Yeah, I, and I'm with you when I say this, meaning that, listen, I'm no expert when it comes to the offensive line. I've heard enough people say that, hey, they thought McGovern looked okay the other night. I think Eric Wood might have been one of them as well. So it's just it's sure. a little bit of just like, okay. And, and I will say this, Joe Marino on his recent podcast, he was watching the All-22 and he said, you know, some of these pressures, it's like it was really more Josh Allen kind of created that bad situation than – what the offensive line was doing, right? Like Josh kind of bailing on the pocket very early. And again, I'm not communicating it as eloquently as Joe did, but as I was listening to it this morning, it's just like, okay, this is why you do some of these things in the preseason to, to work through it. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about McGovern right now, but as you said, there is some depth there, which certainly helps when you talk about the team right now. I, um, are you trying to tell me, Anthony Marino, that people should be listening to John Fina and Eric Wood before me when it comes to the offensive line specifically? Are you kidding me? Listen, don't put any words in my mouth here. Okay. Come on. (laughs) Um, I, all right. So I watched the Bills game. You talked about you went to a gathering. You you use the word party. (laughs) I'm kind of getting to the same point in my life too. But anyway, um, I watched the Bills game with my buddy, Mike at the yeah. house and Mike is a Bills fan, but he's also, he's like that Nate Gary outlandish statement, you know, out of the clear blue sky kind of guy, man. He doesn't really think about things before he says them. He just overreacts. I do too, but not as bad as this dude. Anyway, that uh, Jalen Warren touchdown run. We, we, I've watched film of it. I've seen some breakdowns. I don't want to get into the play specifically, but Jordan Poyer kind of took a bad angle. Jalen Warren kind of had a, like a little bit of a stutter step and he just blew past Jordan Poyer. And instantly my friend, my buddy goes, Jordan Poyer's washed up, which is, kind of, I, I, I laughed at it, but I, do you have a little bit of maybe a mild sense of worry about Jordan Poyer? Because look, rose colored glasses or not. And Jordan Poyer, I, to me is a great football player and he's been so important to the success of the Buffalo Bills. That said, he was a free agent. He wanted to get paid by this organization. It didn't happen. And he hit the market. The expectation was he was gone. Should we ignore that basically the league, where there were lots of opportunities for teams, lots of safeties got signed, nobody wanted to pay him any kind of significant money. He returns to the Buffalo Bills, which I was very happy about. And I still am very happy about but everyone hits a wall at some point. And this is one play. Let's not go nuts here again. But do you have any concern whatsoever that maybe uh, he slowed down a little bit? Now, Jordan Poyer, exactly, by the way, isn't exactly a speedster when he was right. five years ago either. I mean, his game, his instincts and physicality and just having a nose for the football and not necessarily straight line speed. But. I don't know. He looked really bad on that play, to be fair, about so did seven or eight other defenders on the Buffalo Bills as well. Yeah, I'll say this. Zero concerns from mm-hmm. me. And until you kind of sent me some some things you wanted to talk about beforehand, it was not even on my radar of, of even thinking that it would be a question. Now, to your point of what you just said, um, seven or eight defenders, like what the hell was going on on that play? What was going on with the starters on defense and offense during that game. And and I looked at it more of just, um, you know, it's a preseason game. It seemed like they obviously didn't want to be out there 
to be risking anything. And it was just, and it kind of showed. So I do not have any concerns with Poyer. Again, if we're, you know, week three of the season and all of a sudden it's a, a few of these things creeping in, okay, I'll have a conversation with you then. But for right now, it wasn't even on my, not even on my radar. In fairness to him, if your name's not Gregory Rizzo, I don't think anybody on the starters did anything on defense yeah. on Saturday. So agreed. I, I get that. It, it was just, it was funny to hear. And I put that on Twitter and got a, a bunch of reactions from that too. Jordan Poyer's not washed up. It's also fair to say that Jordan Poyer might not be the same guy he was in 2019 though. So maybe he might have to play smarter. I don't know. It just looked bad on the one play that he got beat, but sure, man, I'm not worried. Well, but I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, listen, you can look at the team right now and we're so used to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer playing hundred percent of the snaps each. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for the style of football they play, they're, they're going to get banged up a bit. I mean, now you can look at things and think to yourself, well, with a healthy DeMar Hamlin, with someone like Taylor Rapp, you know, do you see them take a few plays off here and there, right? To keep them a little bit fresher as opposed to what they've gone through. Like, Hey, maybe if Poyer is playing 80% of the snaps and Taylor Rapp is playing the other 20%, that might not be the worst thing just as far as keeping him healthy later in the season and heading towards the playoffs. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, look, he just got beat in the open field. Warren made a nice move and he's fast, you know, yeah. and, and, and Poyer just got beat in the open field. Name me a defensive back that hasn't gotten smoked on an open field run before. Oh, yeah. it, it happens to, uh, to everybody. I don't know. I just kind of thought that was funny, the overreaction. From my buddy when it's usually <laughs> me is the one who's screaming at the tv and overreacting all right so we could go on forever and there are lots of negative things about one game but you know it's kind of like this is getting a little gloomy here on talking buffalo today i want to talk about two players that i've been impressed with not even just saturday but both preseason games and for the most part uh throughout training camp two guys that i at least on my show yesterday failed to to mention when i was going over my winners or losers from uh saturday's preseason game one of them is dorian williams I like him. I think he's looked impressive. He's fast. Uh, he's physical. He had a hit on the quarterback on Saturday. Um, Eric Turner from Cover One broke down some films or film. It was the same play run twice. One of them was the touchdown run by Warren, and he showed how Dodson didn't scrape properly. And there was just a, a bunch of other things. But anyway, he showed the same play and how Dorian Williams got in front of a block and cut off that lane. It was a really nice play. Like I said, I think he's looked impressive. And the, the downside of that is it bothers me because we're looking at middle linebacker right now, which is clearly one of two sore spots on this football team. And it's almost like Brandon Bean and this staff is just willing to concede his rookie year because as long as he's behind Matt Milano, he ain't getting on the field unless Matt Milano gets hurt. Right. And sure, if Milano gets hurt, it's nice to have a better, you know, some talent behind him where the drop-off's not going to be completely off a cliff. So I, I just, I guess what I'm getting at is why is this guy not getting worked into middle linebacker more? It just it is bothering me. It, watching him play, it bothers me because he's making plays on the field. And I start thinking, yo, he looked pretty damn good next to Matt Milano, but it's not happening. He looks good anyway, though. No, he does. He does look good. And it's like I, you remember, right? That was a pick at the time people weren't thrilled with Me when too. it happened because you weren't thinking that he was a middle linebacker. You didn't, you, you know, and I think like many people, you spend all this time looking at Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders and then you don't get either of them. And it's just, okay. 
Greg Cosell was on One Bills Live this week, and he was talking about Williams and his play and saying that he thinks this is a guy that can eventually become the middle linebacker for the Bills. And and again, right, not to like, it's not what you're saying or what I'm saying. Like, what do, what do we know compared to somebody like Greg Cosell? But he talked about scouting him at Tulane, the player that he was, the instincts that he has, the the energy that he plays with, where you can truly see to yourself, right, like, hey, this guy can be a fit physically for what the team needs there. Now, to the point, right, is this someone that you talk about wearing the green dot, calling the plays, you know, to what level is does performance outweigh the trust that Sean McDermott will have in that individual. And it's so weird the other day on Instagram, you know, these videos pop up and it's like a guy talking about how the Navy SEALs select who their, their top team is, right? Their SEAL team six. And it's like, listen, you could have all the talent in the world, but if there's not this level of trust that comes with it, you're not going to be on that team. You know, it's kind of like the graph that comes across and then you go along the other side and here's the trust and it's like they want the performers that they have infinite level of trust with even if it's with a medium skill set and medium deliverables because the trust outweighs that performance and I think we can use that same example when you talk about Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam I think you can talk about that as you look at the middle linebacker position and now all of a sudden that AJ Klein's name is like front and center as a possibility as being a starter here from people that are really close to the team. So uh, Pat, nothing would make me happier for them to even say of just like, yeah, Dorian Williams, we're going to start working in to become the backup middle linebacker. Even if he's not ready this season, that's fine. Learn behind someone like AJ Klein. I don't care what it is, but to be that heir apparent that maybe if a change has to take place in week seven or week eight or whatever it may be, or to the future. But yeah, right now, I mean, listen, that's the position I talked about is like the first round need for this team in so many different conversations, right? I'm like studying, reading up on Jack Campbell, every opportunity that I have. And for the team to come in and be like, yeah, Terrell Dodson. I mean, it's just, this isn't a surprise that he's not living up to what you need that position to be. Look, I, I get it. Why you wouldn't want to trust a rookie linebacker or middle linebacker to put that green dot on as a rookie? I get that. I don't think they trust Dotson either. He's playing in the fourth quarter Saturday. Oh yeah, and he's, and he's looked look. He's looked terrible. You know, I'm I'm tired of trying to pussyfoot around things. I'm gonna say how I feel. I, I think Dotson is not it, and I don't think AJ yeah. Klein is it either. AJ Klein was insurance. AJ Klein was the practice squad guy, and the way it's worked out. Dodson has been awful for whatever reason. I don't know what it is about Bale Inspector, but clearly the Bills are not very high on him. He's not even in the mix. Terrell Bernard is hurt. He probably is eventually going to be the starting middle linebacker. I have to think that because they're clearly not high on Dodson. I just look at Williams and I see the talent. I feel like his talent and his ability, his upside to make plays is just so significantly better than Dodson or Klein. I just don't think you're winning a Super Bowl with A.J. Klein or Ty- Tyrell Dodson is your middle linebacker. So I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe Bernard comes back from injury, comes in, starts, but I'm not really all that high on him either. I don't know. I'm talking about four different guys. And to me, far and away, Dorian Williams is the guy that I look at and I just see by far the most upside. Maybe they can 
I don't know, find some packages to get him on the field. And maybe he doesn't have to even wear, I don't know how it works in the NFL. Maybe he doesn't even wear the green dot. Maybe Milano does, or maybe Micah Hyde does. And someone else calls the defensive plays. I just feel like from based on what I've seen at some practices, and especially these two preseason games, I feel like Dorian Williams is just too good to not have on the field. If the guys that you're going to put on the field is named AJ Klein or Tyrell Dotson right now. That's, that's what it comes down to for me. No, I completely agree. And there was an article on him in the Buffalo News. They talked about Bobby Babich and the time that he spent with Williams visiting down in Tulane and kind of like showing a play on the whiteboard, then erasing it and having uh, Williams teach that play back. So, you know, to me, that was certainly something that was interesting, right? Because they did their homework on him as a player and they spent that time. You know, here's the thing we have to remember now too, though, Pat. Practices aren't open anymore. There's no right. fans there. There's no reporting on who's working at what position and what they might be doing or any of these pieces. So, you know, it could be one of those things. Some of that work might be happening and we're just not going to know about it because the media aren't allowed to report any specifics when there's not fans in the stands. And like, yeah, you know, we're not going to tell Matt Perino, you can't say who's, you know, lined up on the first team offense when you've got a hundred fans tweeting the same thing out. Now that's not the case anymore. So. I'm I'm going to try and keep a little bit of faith and, and hope that that's something that's taking place behind the scenes. I don't want to call it a bowl prediction. Well, let's call this a a lukewarm uh, prediction. I think you're going to see Dorian Williams play some linebacker in this preseason finale against the Chicago Bears. To to conclude my middle linebacker run right now, if they do nothing, if it's Dotson and it's Klein or Bernard and he's not good, this falls back on Brandon Bean. You yeah. knew for at least one year, possibly even two years, that you were eventually might lose Tremaine Edmonds. And they made a conscious decision to not bring in any of these veterans. They were going to do it in-house. My thought was, do they not even think middle linebacker is important? Because they just keep Dodson inclined and bring in or have Bernard competing right now and Bale Inspector was going to get a shot. Long story short, Brandon Bean did nothing. And if, it's, if you're not going to put Dorian Williams there at middle linebacker, you're just going to let these guys play out. If it doesn't work out, that falls back on uh, Brandon Bean. Anyway. One more guy I want to talk about, then we'll get to our finish the sentence. I'm really, 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 really high on Trent Sherfield. I like this kid a lot. I've been impressed with him since the first time I seen him at practice. I liked him in Miami. Love the fact that he could play either outside spot or the slot. And I think on Saturday, and this was really telling to me, Anthony, every 11 on 11 during training camp, when they would have three wide receiver sets, it was always Khalil Shakir getting those first yeah. reps. Didn't happen on Saturday, which was the kind of like their dress rehearsal with the starters. It was Sherfield and Hardy and mainly Sherfield. I just love the fact that he could play all three wide receiver spots out there. He's got good hands. He's tough. We saw that 21-yard catch in the middle of the field. I thought it was one of the bright spots of the game. Really tough catch over the middle of the field in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a great blocker. He's good on special teams. He looked like when I look back, or ahead, I should say, to this season and kind of forecast who might be like an unsung hero on this team. I just look at a guy like Trent Sherfield and he could be that guy. I'm really high on him. I like him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you think, and you try not to get too high on things based on mini camp performances or training camp or any of those pieces, but it's like, you know, Sherfield has a body of work in the NFL and Tyler Dunn had a great piece, a great profile on him. He did uh, on go long TD. And, you know, when you read that at the beginning, you're just like, okay, this guy's been through some stuff, right? His journey is not anything pretty, 
undrafted free agent to earning everything that he has been able to accomplish and having success in Miami last season. He is going to play, I think, a significant role with the Bills this year, almost to the you think back to when Gabe Davis was a rookie. Right. And it's just like, okay, being that, you know, not being the number two wide receiver, kind of being that number three, almost that number four, right? At the time you're looking at this. Trent Sherfield is going to be a part of the Buffalo Bills offense. He's going to be a factor. And I think he's going to be a difference maker this season. Josh Allen raved about him coming out of minicamp. If you want to talk about any positive of the Stefan Diggs drama, it was well, him not being there and Sherfield having the time with Josh Allen and Allen developing that rapport right away. Um, yeah, he's going to produce. Khalil Shakir does the same things that Trent Sherfield does. Trent Sherfield just does them better. And I, and I think Trent Sherfield has surpassed him on the depth chart. I think Hardy has as well. I think Shakir's that fifth guy in the depth chart right now. And if the bills, if there is any battle between him, you know, him and Eddie Isabella, I think that might be one of the few potential Positional battles up because Justin Shorter is making this football team. I'm telling you that right now. So they're keeping six receivers. It's Shakir or Sandy Isabella. It's probably Shakir, but it, I, I think he's fallen off a little bit in part because I think Sherfield's really stepped up. You know, Here, here's my here's my thing when it comes to this room. Khalil Shakir does not have that piece that separates him from any other wide receiver. Right. With anything in sports and, and, you know, most of my coaching would be around basketball. It's like, what's the thing that you are going to do better than anyone else? And it's like that you have the control to do. Right. Maybe you're just ferocious at boxing out. Maybe you're that guy that's diving on every loose ball. Maybe you're the greatest communicator out on the field. And I'm oversimplifying things here. But right. If you look at it and say, OK. From a gunner standpoint, he's not as going to be as good as Justin Shorter. From a speed standpoint, he's not going to be as good as Andy Isabella. From a overall receiver standpoint, he's not going to be as good as Trent Sherfield. He's, he's not a blocker. He, he does not have that piece that separates him from his competition. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying Andy Isabella is better than Khalil Shakir. But if you're looking at something and say, "Well, this guy's close to this guy," one has four three speed and one doesn't. One is going to be a better kick returner and punt returner than the yep. other. Like, okay, that's going to check two boxes for him that Shakir doesn't have that separation from Isabella on anything. Yeah. I, I, I am I, – listen, and I know, I know we've talked about a lot of stuff already. I, I don't know how, how that's going to wrap up for Khalil Shakir. I do not I, have him as a lock to make this roster in any way, shape, or form. I was at camp. A practice with Joe Marino and in one of your guys at Rumley's, Joe Miller, and I've almost embarrassed. I'm going to call myself out a little bit. I was laughing at Joe Miller because he was saying Shakir might not eat, might not, you know, his roster spot's not secure on his team. And I'm laughing. I'm like, what? What? He's starting. I'm like, he's out there with the ones, and he was every practice. It's come down to him or Andy Isabella, and I still think it could be Shakir. Probably will be Shakir, but I don't think that's a lock. I think Saturday's game. Might be important. I like it for if you're an Andy Isabella guy. Um, he didn't play a lot of snaps, which I don't like that if if I'm an Andy Isabella guy, but I do like that he was returning kicks. And first he caught returning it, kicks too. Yeah, he's the first guy returning kicks. I, I don't know if he returned them all of them, but I I, I think he might have. But anyway, got a 19-yard pass and they pretty much got him out of there. Um it's coming down to one of those two guys. So if there's any storylines worth watching on Saturday, that might be one of them. The last thing, 
that I'm a little bit disappointed about the whole game because it was just an absolutely ugly ass game. But I kind of, I, I wish Dawson Knox would have played only so we might have gotten a little bit of a glimpse of what this offense, the starters might look yeah. like with him on the field, the formations that we use. So we'll still be guessing, which I guess is good for the Bills. You know, you want the Jets to be guessing what they're going to be doing uh, as well. So that sucked. Anyway, um, all right, let's do our finish the sentence segment before we get out of here. Every week, I ask Anthony four questions, not sports related, just an opportunity to get to know another side of Anthony beyond uh, just him wearing Montreal Expos, but he's in, in talking Buffalo Bills here. So let, let's pull it up. Let's do the first one. A place I've always wanted to visit, but never made it there yet is blank. Uh, I will, you know, it's an entire country, but I'll say Italy. And I will be honest, I have never been a guy that has had an urge to travel internationally before. Um, until recently, my son, like studying geography and talking about studying abroad when he goes to college and all these pieces, um, he has a real passion for this. And, you know, you start to look into different things and you're just like, my gosh, the chance to visit, you know, Rome or Sicily and Florence and Venice and to do all these things. Uh, to me, that is that has come up high on the, the bucket list um, as of late. So that is certainly top of the list for me. That's a good one. Mine is probably one many people have been to. It's not as, uh, well, I guess it is exciting depending on if you're a gambler or not, but Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. I've al I've always wanted to go there. But you know, here's the difference though. I'm not a big gambler. In fact, I barely gamble at all. Like I'll do fantasy football pools and stuff like that, but, or I might play like a little Texas Hold'em, but I'm not like a big gambler at all. So it's not even a gambling. It's, it's just the bright lights and everything going on there and all the amazing concerts and the residencies that they have there and all the shows that that's what I would love to see in Vegas. And I forget yeah, for whatever reason, man, I've, I've never been there. So I, I have to go with Vegas. Not exactly the greatest answer, but um, whatever. <laughs> all right. The musical <laughs> act that had the biggest impact on me as a teenager is blank. And I struggle with this one, right? Cause you think of like your time as a teenager, it's like, my gosh, like, music evolved so mm -hmm. so much and it's like you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me with this but i am gonna say uh i'm gonna say new edition and Ooh. i'm gonna say new edition because Ooh. i think when they came out right it was almost like you think of like growing up and listening to you know my dad would always control the radio in the car right so we're like we're listening to oldies a lot of motown this and that four tops temptations that kind of all comes and it was like at the time, oh, here's a recent group, right? Like these kind of kids, these teenagers, that it's almost like a throwback in in some ways to that, but a much more modern way of mixing in hip hop and R and B and what came to it. But then you even think how it spun off, right? So from what New Edition was and really kind of falling in love with that, to then Bobby Brown with his solo career, to then Belbiv DeVoe for what they were doing, to Ralph Tresvant, to Johnny Gill, it was just like my God, these guys were before their time and the success that they all had individually. Um, you know, that was a piece of just, you talk about, and for people that have listened to me on the show, you know, know my love for, for hip hop and R and B. I think a lot of that was rooted in, in new edition and their start. And again, kind of the, the spinoffs from those individuals and, and Bell Biv DeVoe. So not, not only do I absolutely love new edition and that I grew up loving new edition, uh, our, our buddy Aaron Quinn is going to love that answer as well. I love New Edition. One of my favorite groups of all time. And I just don't think they get enough credit for, 
you know, the, the onslaught of, of boy bands that came up after them. And they weren't, sure. New Edition wasn't the first boy band, don't get me wrong, but they just took it to another level and, you know, in a more modern times than a lot of so many people came after them. God, I love New Edition. Um, I, I, I'm going to cheat. I kind of got two. One of them is such an obvious answer for me. It, it, it is Michael Jackson. It's just because of the music, how much I love this music, plus his style at the time. Like, I literally had the leather jacket, well, pleather jacket, because I can afford, you know, the genuine leather jacket. I had the black leather pants. I'm the, you know, it's kind of, I wish I, I should have dug up some old pictures. I'm sure I have a couple at least anyway. But I used to literally want to dress like Michael. But it was like when he put out, a, when his songs came on, it was like almost like an event. Like that thriller video was literally an yeah. event on MTV. So I got to say him. And then the other one is actually Run DMC. They really, they influenced me big time because they really kind of introduced me to hip hop. And, yeah. and much like you, I'm a, well, not so much anymore, but definitely as a teenager and well into the nineties and early two thousands, I was a huge, huge, huge hip hop fan. And run DMC is the first rap group that I could really remember. And I'm telling you, dude, I was mid eighties. I had well cassette tapes. <laughs> I had a huge, huge, huge collection more on that in a second, by the way, but I had a huge collection of hip hop rap cassette tapes. And it all started with definitely without question with, uh, with run dmc so i'm gonna go with them all right That's two awesome. more here my very first car was a blank what was your first car very first car ford tempo um yeah. you know it was like that's the car i got to take to to college i wouldn't even say it was my car right but it was like the the family car that that i had to go to college with and i would always remember too just like it was kind of like a carolina blue and um, there would be times that, like, you know, you'd shut the car off, take the key out, and it would just keep running. Mm -hmm. We're like, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm trying to find a, you know, a shop to take it to, someone that you can trust. And there would be days, like, I'd come back from class, and you'd, like, check your, you know, your voicemail. It's like you got eight messages from, you know, from all these different friends. Like, hey, I walked by your car. It was still running, this and that. Like, every day until we kind of figured it out, or I would just, like, unhook the battery and then hook it back on to get it to stop but yeah ford tempo that was the uh that was the first car mine was i think i was 18 years old it was a red chevy cavalier and a nice. real quick story um i'm gonna call my friend dina cato out because she's <laughs> i let her borrow my car and i said i had a whole shitload of like rap cassette tapes um i had let her take my car and she ended up going to LaSalle park partying somewhere left it there overnight car got robbed stereo got stolen and my whole cassette tape collection was stolen out of that fresh chevy oh. cab as well too oh my god i still remember that i had a That's really cool. nice i had a really nice radio and a, a big collection of rap tapes and uh got stolen but anyway that was uh my chevy cab all right last one here one of my favorite movie quotes ever is blank you know, the, the one that popped into my head first um, was just, I can do this all day. Steve Rogers, Captain America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you think of something that, um, you know, big Marvel cinematic, cinematic universe guy, and when that first movie came out, and just such a great film, but I felt like it was underrated compared to everything else because as that character grew and from all of those movies, from Winter Soldier to Civil War to each of the Avengers flicks to the ending of Endgame of just like him being such a central focus. I mean, obviously him and Robert Downey Jr.'s 
Tony Stark. Um, that's just one of those pieces you come back to and you just say it in any situation of just like, oh, I can do this all day. Like you immediately know and it takes you back to just this iconic character. And for our family, right? Like our kids growing up during that, I'll call it like the golden age of superhero movies that that, sure. that, that truly was, you know immediately where that takes you. And to me, that was the first one that popped to mind. And the fact that they brought it back in so many different movies and just the other night um endgame was on fx right and you're just kind of flicking through and it's just there and if it's on i'm gonna leave it and it's the scene where rogers is fighting the you know himself when they've traveled back in time and the other <laughs> steve rogers says like i can do this all day and he goes yeah yeah i know <laughs> like you know just kind of like tongue-in-cheek of just like this this piece to it but the way they connected it through every single one of those films to me it's like you can take that moment that line and make fun of it and get a, a great laugh or it can just be that piece like man when he says this you know that like whatever action sequence is going to go up a notch here so to me that was the uh that was the first one that came to mind that's a good that's a good line and it's a good explanation and i'm kind of like fighting laughter throughout why you're saying that because then i think of what mine was and uh so you ever <laughs> seen the movie major league of course yes one of right. my favorites well at some point in the movie willie mays hayes makes like this fancy basket catch out in the outfield being a hot dog and he comes back to the dugout at lou brown <laughs> it's always popped in my mind but he goes Nice catch, Hayes. Don't ever fucking do it again. <laughs> Listen, that that movie, when you when you talk about movie quotes, right? I mean, and, and again, maybe it's the era that we grew up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of those, whatever I was, like 12, 13 years old when it came out, one of those first rated R movies that you're that you're watching and remembering. And I mean, every single line. Like you can you can think back to it, right? I thought you were gonna say the one where um Tom Berenger's sitting in the restaurant and he's looking across and he goes, That's my wife. And he's like, you know, Willie Mays says, like, does she know that? And he's like, She was my wife. And Charlie Sheen leans in, he says, You want me to drag him outside? Kick the shit out of him. <laughs> but right, you can think of so so many different pieces from that, whether it's from Roger Dorn to Pedro Serrano to <laughs> Lou Brown. I mean, the entire movie is quotable. And uh, that's a great, great pick. But as you said, Major League, immediately all these thoughts rushing. There could have been a dozen different things, you know. Yeah. Lou Brown, right? right? Like he may run like Maze, but he hits like yeah, shit. It's like yeah, shit. There's just so many that come through. And Oh I, my God. I feel like I need to rewatch that one. Now. Roger Dorn was bitching at Lou Brown. <laughs> Lou Brown just goes, shut up, Dorn. <laughs> I say, I say that shit all the time as well. All right. <laughs> Gonna get it, get out of here. This makes me feel good talking about major league at the end of a podcast when it spent so much of it, you know, still kind of reeling a little bit from this bills game uh, on Saturday. But anyway, make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at Marino. Check out, not just his show, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, but all the shows on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, vidcast uh, network. You'll be back next. So we're going to take late next Tuesday. The Bills have cut down day and uh, we'll, we'll have reaction to the Buffalo Bills roster. Will it be Khalil Shakir or Andy Isabella that make this team? Find out. We'll talk uh, with Anthony next week. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, brother.